Welcome to day two of our program. I am delighted to be joined on stage by Max Disney. If you would, join me please. And I'd like to give a little bit of an introduction on Max. He is a board member of the Roy and Patricia Disney Family Foundation for the last 15 years. He's helped shape the foundation through three generations. He has experience both as a family office professional as well as a family foundation member. And I think that will be particularly relevant to all of us as we're looking for good practices to incorporate into the work that we're doing. Additionally, he has founded and funded a number of tech startups, and his focus has been working in developing countries with a particular emphasis in Africa. So Max, welcome. We're delighted that you're here. And I think based upon our previous conversations, you have a lot of perspective, um, lessons learned, tips and guidance for our clients with us today. Let's get started, and if, if we would, could you describe a bit of your family's history with philanthropy? I know that you have navigated quite a bit when it comes to different generations as well as particular branches of your family. Well, first of all, thank you all for being here, and thank you, UBS, for putting this on. Um, Yes, I'm fourth generation, so if you go back to the first, it's Walt and Roy who started the Disney company years ago. Uh, they did philanthropy as individuals, and you can still see their impact 50, 60 years later all over Southern California. Um, it's a high watermark to continually try and meet, and it's a, a, obviously a really interesting thing as a, as a G4, there's, there's not a lot of us in the US. In Europe, you can see 10th, 11th generations. Um, but as a G4, it's, it's an incredible thing to be able to grow up and see your family name all over the place, um, Disney in particular, for obvious reasons. Um, my grandfather was the one who really created the institution that we have now, uh, the Roy and Patricia Disney Family Foundation, we renamed after they passed. And you know, for them, it was a very personal project. It, it, there was no real focus, it was, certain projects that came along that really drove them and, and pushed them. And when they passed, we became a, a, an organization of a different dimension. And we really had to become serious, frankly. We, we, weren't, particularly, we weren't particularly organized, I would say, uh, and, and we weren't very cohesive at that time, especially when you know, the, the patriarch and the founders pass. Uh, it's really a transition. And you know, over the last, I would say, 15 years, we've made a lot of great strides. Um, and I'm incredibly proud of where we are today. Uh, we're, we're a much better organization. And honestly, we're a much closer family because of it. And uh, I mean, that, that's something that I really want to impart to everyone here today, too, is this is a, an incredible opportunity for families. It really is. The, the ability to continually meet together and do really impactful things is uh, it's one of the great joys that I get to have. I get to see 15 cousins. We have a reason to get into a room multiple times a year. And um, it's organized and cohesive, which is not normally the case in our family. Um, and that helps. Uh, but we all walk away knowing that you know, that time is precious. And uh, you know, especially over the last few years, being able to get into a room with family is not always guaranteed, right? So uh, yeah, we, we really enjoy it. And, um, it's interesting, you know, G2, um, 
was my grandfather, G3 is my mother and her siblings. Uh, you know, they've done philanthropy in a number of different ways, and uh, they bring a lot of expertise into the room. And then G4s, which is us, uh, me and my 15 cousins, um, the voting power now. Uh, we bring a lot of enthusiasm into the room, and bringing those two together is, is, is uh, you know, really where we're at right now, and I'm pretty proud of it. It, it sounds like it's been quite a journey, and, and I appreciate that you acknowledge the work that it took in that transition. It sounds like after 15 years of working hard at this together, mm -hmm. developing this cohesion, um, that you're in a great place. Mm -hmm. Can you help us understand what it took to get to this place, I, particularly based upon some conversations that I've had with various clients over the last day, I think we're interested in understanding what is the process like? Mm -hmm. How do you go from transition to cohesion? You know, I mean, family, it's going to be a different answer for everyone. There, there's no question about that. So I'll give you my, you know, experience, and hopefully there's one or two things that you can apply to your own, uh, your own family. For us, it was a lot of uncomfortable conversations. And it's not anything about, you know, personality or anything like that. It's about passion. Everyone firmly believes, and I think this is true in a lot of different aspects of life, People feel very strongly, and everyone wants to do the right thing. We just have a disagreement about how it should be done and the best practices behind it. Um, and the biggest piece of advice I could say specifically about that is that you're going to get it wrong. You're not going to get it right the first time. But there's not really anything here that can't be changed. You, you need to pick a path, go down it, and you're going to get it wrong, and then you're going to fix it. And, and as long as everyone in the family is committed, to making it the best possible version that it can be, it, it all works out. And, and honestly, you know, the, the other thing I would say too is make sure that the youngest people in the room are involved, are, are incorporated, and their voices are heard. It's, it's very easy for that, and I see it quite a bit. Mm -hmm. um, and it happened to us for a while. My, my first board meeting when I was 18 years old, uh, you know, I was just a warm body in a room. When I needed to vote, they told me, raise your hand, and, and that's just kind of how it went. And uh, you know, it, it didn't really enthuse me. I, I wasn't particularly excited about doing it more um, when I got older. But then it changed. I mean, there there was more of us. I was the first one of my generation to come onto the board. And uh, you know, as my mother likes to say, the first is always the test dummy. And um, yeah, I, I, you know, you get banged around a little bit, but then you also find your voice and. Um, yeah, it, it, it's been a process, but it's been a really fun one at the same time. And so that passion, um, you know, it could be perceived as conflict because I believe this and you believe yeah. that and we have to agree how to do it. How do you get through that in a way that keeps people involved? Mm. Is there an acknowledgement from the elder generation? Does that energy come from your generation? How do you navigate? Well, we definitely brought in people at different times to have structured conversations. It always helps to have somebody in the room who you know, has experience, um, and really importantly within that too, has control over the room. Because there's always a few personalities that are going to dominate, especially if you're like the G1 of the family, you, know, you have a gravity around you. There, there's, there's people who are in your orbit, especially the younger ones. Um, so being, for them being able to have their own opinions can be difficult. Um, but there's also specific functions that we have within the family that uh, the foundation that we've really gotten to that, that helps a lot. For instance, uh, we have individual allotments that we're all allowed to have. So we have the pot and then every year you're allowed to give to, we have a certain set amount for every uh, member to be able to give to their specific passion project. 
So you're not fighting. You're, you're not arguing about how much should get to mine. And then there's territorial you know, concerns and stuff like that. So that has really made a huge difference because everyone has their project that they're keen about. Uh, and some people do a different one every single year. And some people have done the same thing for 10 years. And I, I have one cousin who literally funds an entire nonprofit by herself. She gives her allotment to the same one every single year. She's one of like three people that helps fund it. And she's definitely the biggest. So, uh, you know, I mean, even that smaller amount can, can make a huge difference as well. What I hear you saying in that is um, it's a gift to have a non-family member participate in these conversations. Yeah. You explained some of the reasons why. And in the work that we do, we also experience this same phenomenon. And the gift that I see is it allows mom, dad, uncle, aunt, cousin, whomever mm -hmm. is leading, to be in that family role, not only in their leadership role. Mm -hmm. And so that allows for more energy to be part of the decision-making process. A hundred percent. And that's kind of what makes a family office, a family business, a family foundation so unique is it's personal. I mean, this is, it's hard to have an argument sometimes with the, uh, your mom or your dad. Uh, when what you're really you're talking about this but other things bleed in it always does and um yeah there's there's been a lot of family conversations where all of us in the room know this is not what this is about this yes this is a very very old thing and then you even have like i mean you know you have brothers and sisters too like it's just a lot of stuff where what i think that why i'm so proud of the place that we've gotten to though is that we've really and this is just time like there, there's not a single meeting where this happens, it, it's a continued consistent effort where you get to a point where you say, okay, that's out the door, let's lock it. We're here to do work. We're here to service a community. We're here to do something important. All of that other stuff doesn't matter for these few hours. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, you know, the other part of it is too is uh, families fight, but families fight for each other as well. And, and getting to that place is what I alluded to earlier. It's such an incredible ability to be able to do what we get to do um, and to be able to do it with the people you love most I mean that that's like one of the best gifts you can give to kids grandkids and for me great kids now and I have an 18 month old she's the first of G5 and I already think about you know her being able to be in that room and that's so exciting. cool and, and I have to wonder what is it like having these conversations as a family doing this work there's a very well-known legacy. Everyone in the room knows the Disney family name. What kind of pressure, either real or perceived, come into the fold given your family name? Uh, you know, I think that the outside pressure, where none of us ever really grew up with that pressure. I mean, it's funny, I've always heard a term my whole life called uh, imposter syndrome. It's a funny thing when it actually applies to you because you are, you're by the grace of, you know, whoever, whatever, you were born, and I use a term called, it's the genetic lottery. Like, that's what you get. Uh, I've only ever heard one other person use it, and it was a Rockefeller, so I know I'm onto something. Uh, because besides us, they're, they're one of the oldest in the US, too, right? Uh, and it, it's, it's an incredibly complex thing to unpack. and. You know, you spend your whole life trying to figure out how to deal with it. What's really interesting about philanthropy in particular with regards to that is, uh, you know, the only answer I can ever give anyone is maybe you don't deserve it, but you can spend your life earning it. And philanthropy is a really, really important way to do that. You know, you, you can earn what you've been given. 
Um, I, I fundamentally believe that. That's, that's really great to hear because just knowing who our guests are, um, the last name may not be Disney, but you started companies and you're known in your communities and you have a sphere of influence. And so um, that perspective on earning um, the, the ability to live in that name and make a difference is really helpful. Well, and sorry, if I yeah, could just please. add a little bit more. I think the other thing that is not specific to, you know, just, you know, my family, but every, exactly like you alluded to, everyone in your community, when you give, you have this amazing ability to put a spotlight on something as well. So there's a follow-on effect to, to your philanthropy. Not only are you giving something, but you can really highlight it in the community. And there's more money that flows from that just because you're involved. That, that's a huge asset that you have that goes well beyond your money. Mm -hmm. That visibility amplifies others' yep. awareness and yep trust mm -hmm. to join forces. Yeah. You mentioned this earlier, and I want to get a bit more into it. Um, you are the lead in your generation, G4, 15 cousins. I, I think some cousins might disagree with that, but we'll continue. For today's with it. purposes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they're in not a closed here. room. Close the doors. Yes, All I right. have appointed you yeah, yeah. this. Fantastic. OK, good. Um, Explain that to us, you know, even just your response now. What is that dynamic? You know, how does the family champion um, concept apply? How do you ingratiate others that may be at a different phase of their life or less interested? How have you come to be a working group that has um, a unification amongst your generation to perpetuate this? So earlier I said, you're not going to get it right. You're going to have to change as you yes. go. This is a good example. So 15 years ago, what we did was uh, you're either on the board or you're off. And every year you can vote either way, just based on where you're at. You know, we had some of the cousins going into university their first year. That, that's a very time consuming time. And frankly, you don't, you'd rather be with your friends. You don't want to be with us. Uh, and what we've done and what we've changed over the years is what you can be as a non-voting member of the board. So you still have your allotment that you can give to your passion project, but you don't need to be at every board meeting. You just need to be at one. And we're very flexible and we work around everyone's schedule. Uh, at the beginning of the year, we make sure that everyone knows what the dates are and we make sure that they work for everyone. And then within that too, we really try to engage uh, the youngest of us as quickly as we can. So I have in the last three years, we've had four or five members join who just turned 18. Uh, and what we've done over the last few years is we just bring them to some of the events. So a few years ago, we did a weekend only for us cousins uh, in Puerto Rico, and there were 12 of us. We couldn't get all of us. That never happens anyway, unless something bad happens. Um, and what was really amazing about it was, you know, I mean, this can be intimidating. It can be really uncomfortable, and it's a singular experience. I can't explain this to a lot of people. This is a very unique thing. There's people in this room that will get it without you having to explain very much, and, and that's really rare. But especially with family, you know, it's a really bonding thing. So to make it less scary, to make it fun, to make it engaging, uh, you know, uh, the way we're convincing a few more to come this year is we're going to be in Hawaii and do a service trip there. You, you can do those kinds of projects too. And, Whoever doesn't show up doesn't want to be with you at that point, is how I feel. <laughs> um, but uh, no, we're But they're we're invited excited. again next year. Oh, of course. Always, always. The door is always open. Yeah. And that's the thing. You know, I mean, we have, we have members who uh, 
this just doesn't fit into their life right now. Mm -hmm. And that's fine, but they can join any time that they want. And they still get their allocation. Yep. How do you work that? I mean, everybody has their allocation. Do you share with each other? Do you, what kind of common understanding is built based upon the various interests that are personal to each member? Well, we have three focused areas within the foundation, anti-recidivism, climate justice, um, and climate awareness, as well as affordable housing. So those are the three that we all really came together and said these are the incredibly important issues. So those are our core focus areas. But if you care about, uh, you know, I mean, in my very kind introduction, thank you. Um, you know, for me, developing countries is a huge part of me, uh, simply because I'm very aware that I was given an incredible amount of opportunity, that that's not widely shared. Uh, one of the things I want to do in my life is make sure that as many people can have access to opportunity as they possibly can, because I was so freely given so much. Um, so that's something that I always focus on. Uh, some cousins join me sometimes on that, um, and then others you know, find amazing things. And one of the best parts of the year is being able to stand up in front of everyone and talk about it, and, and talk about the impact that your work has had. And, and uh, yeah, it's always, it's always really nice to hear what everyone's you know, chosen to do that year. That's really special. We've, we've covered your family legacy. We've mm -hmm. talked about the generations. What about your own nuclear family? What was it like growing up you know, with your mom, in your own nuclear family? What kind of practices or conversations did you have around your dinner table that set you up for this opportunity that you then had access to and could participate in come age 18? One of the things my mom always instilled in us was, uh, you know, you've been given a lot, what are you gonna do with it? Uh, you've given opportunity, access is a huge part of this as well that we don't, I think, in philanthropy talk about enough, uh, as well as, you know, the monetary component to it. But one of the things she did was uh, part of my inheritance, part of my trust, uh, there were some that factored into philanthropy was how you spent your time. Um, and, and that was hugely impactful. That was a, I mean, for, for some of that, I just worked in food banks. Food's a really big part of my household. Um, and yeah, it was, it was amazing. I did it all over the country and um, I did even road work in Liberia. I mean, it just led me really interesting places. Um, and, and I loved every second of it. And it got me to get out of the house when I was young and get out of my you know, when you're a kid, you're, you're very selfish. So being able to get out of your own skin and focus on other people. So is a what good do you thing. mean, actually? Like part of your trust and inheritance was like what were the kind of rules of engagement for that? How did she explain this? What did you understand to be your responsibility to get whatever? Uh, it, was, it was basically a certain amount of hours. That's okay. what I had to do. Um, and it could be in anything, but the core concept and, and the core competency behind it was, what is your passion? Mm -hmm. what, what do you want to do? Find that. That's the important part of this. And I did. I mean, I ended up in Africa, and you know, it's been a, a big part of my life the last few years especially. So. That's amazing. Yeah. So she really was rather specific, like community service hours to have... Specific, but also so open-ended. I mean, right. it's, it's, it's up to you how you to spend your time. To find the area. But, exactly. But, in our family, we do spend our time. Yeah, yeah, and it's, it's yeah, that was a big impact on me for sure. Yeah. Well. So you've had a lot of experiences mm -hmm. um, individually with your nuclear family, with your cousins, with your multi-generational family, you know, people knowing your last name. Um, I remember in one of our earlier conversations, you were saying something to the effect of, you really wish that you had a program like this to be in community with other 
multi-generational families of exceptional financial success. If you're here as a, a participant, what, what advice would you be seeking that you now have the benefit of learning from? And maybe, maybe some of it is those failures that have been formative. It's a great question. Um, I, I think that, that conflict can't be avoided, but conflict isn't a bad thing. I think that that's a really big part of this. Uh, you shouldn't seek it, I believe that. Um, but at the same time, uh, th this is gonna happen. I mean, this is deeply personal. How you choose to spend your time and, I mean, you know, we've, we've had a lot of really interesting conversations over the last few years. We had a few different uh, organizations come in and talk about the benefits of spending down. And, and the core thesis behind that is, the issues right now are as big as they're going to get. We need to face them head on aggressively. We cannot wait, and we cannot wait for, you know, to leave it for another generation to take over, right? Uh, that's not where we're headed, but those are the kinds of conversations, and that's really uncomfortable. I mean, you're talking about taking your inheritance uh, and, and maybe doing something that the people who gave it to you maybe not would have agreed with. Those are really uncomfortable conversations. They're personal conversations. They're hard conversations but they need to happen, they need to happen. Um, so conflict is unavoidable, um, and you know, keep the younger ones involved early on. That's a huge thing for us. Uh, otherwise, you get a lot of resentment. And you know, I mean, angst is already there, don't give them more ammo, uh, is kind of the, the thesis there. But beyond that, I mean, just show them how fun it is. Yeah. Show them how fun it is, because this really is, I mean, I love what you said a second ago. This is really fun. Like this kind of day, this is a good day to me. This is a fun day to me. Um, and, but that's also because I grew up in this and, yeah. and I have the privilege to, so yeah. uh, being able to use it. And, I love and that emphasis right on fun. I do want to open it up to questions in a moment. Um, I have one other question for you. In, in a conversation that I was having yesterday, um, someone mentioned to me that they have offered their kids to be involved, they really want their kids to be involved, they recognize that their kids are in busy phases of their college and, and early career. How, how has it been for, say, aunts and uncles whose kids may not be as interested in being part of it, mm -hmm. and whose responsibility is it to keep them in the mix having fun? Uh it's a really great question. We're actually dealing with that at the moment. We have one member, one of my cousins, I won't name him. Well, that narrows it down. I said him, shoot. Uh, <laughs> he will not answer any messages. You cannot get him on the phone. I don't think he has a phone anymore. He doesn't respond to emails. He's in the wind. He, he's a myth. And we love him to bits, and he has some of the best insights in the room. And that's why we want him there, is he's so brilliant. He's so brilliant. I think it adds to his aloofness, like that he is brilliant and he doesn't want to be there. Um, but that being said, we, we keep trying. So to your question about whose responsibility is it, it's none of the G3. Because if they do it, then it, you know what I mean? It's, you have to do it. It pushes them away. Uh -huh. that, that's the whole thing. So for us, it's our, our responsibility as cousins. Because it's not something that he has to do. It's something that he's going to love. He just doesn't know it he yet. He doesn't know it yet. So, you know, I, I've called him, you know, we've got, <laughs> the, the deal is now is we all text him, and then he responds to one. So that's just kind of how it is. It's hurting cats, honestly. It's, it's so frustrating. Like, right now, we, we and I really want to highlight this as well, just 
to think about in your own organizations too. We have also something that's called a crisis response fund. Uh, something that, you know, as, as things come up throughout the year, we can deploy very quickly right now. Uh, you know, obviously Ukraine, we, we've done a lot of work with actually with um, Central Food Bank, which um, amazing work. And uh, we're talking about um, East Africa right now. The famine is, is really as bad as it gets. If you, and this is something to think about as well. In 2011, there was a similar famine. Uh, and what they realized in doing the research after it is that once you declare it a famine, half the people who are going to die have already died. We are not at the point where we have declared a famine, but they think that 50% have already passed. Every 36 seconds for the rest of the year, somebody in East Africa is going to pass due to hunger. That's the reality. And even for that, it's difficult to get answers sometimes from people. And it's literally people's lives on the line. That's the reality of this. It, that's where the emotion comes in. That's where the difficulty of this comes in is I just need you to respond to an email, and then we can do some good. That's the hard part of this. Um, but it's you know not personal, it's not anything, it's just the reality of life. Life is busy, but at the same time, we're not talking about a huge amount of time. We really aren't, Let, let's be honest about that too. We're talking about hours of your year. Um, and, and so there should be a, a, an open hand always to the younger generation and to other family members, but there should be sternness too, because this is important, it really is. Thank you. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients, UBS Financial Services Inc. offers investment advisory services in its capacity as an SEC-registered investment advisor and brokerage services in its capacity as an SEC-registered broker-dealer. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways, and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. It is important that you understand the ways in which we conduct business and that you carefully read the agreements and disclosures that we provide to you about the products or services we offer. For more information, please review Client Relationship Summary provided at UBS.com forward slash Relationship Summary or ask your UBS Financial Advisor for a copy.